Alex Carell is one of over 70,000 Google Career Certificate graduates. The Google Career Certificate program completely changed the trajectory of my life. I've always been interested in computers, but I never thought I could turn this into a career. Anytime I got a little break, I just pop open the course on my phone. That allowed me to have that path into a career that I'm passionate about. Train online for in-demand jobs in IT, UX design, data analytics, project management, and more. Visit grow.google/certificates. This episode is brought to you by Simple Mobile. Tired of being tied down with a wireless contract? Switch to Simple Mobile and stay connected on a powerful nationwide 5G network. Unlimited talk, text, and data starts at $30 a month with no contracts, activation fees, or credit checks. Visit simplemobile.com today. Out with the old, in with the simple. Compatible 5G capable device and SIM required. Actual availability, coverage and speed may vary. 5G network not available in all areas. 1 month equals 30 days. See terms and conditions at simplemobile.com. Literally blanking on how to do it, but welcome to the Honey Hole Hangout. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice, Cliff. I think you're blanking because you're drinking delicious whiskey. I haven't little, even taken a sip Oh, yet. you haven't? And you're a little nervous about everything. Nah, I, I just didn't put thought into it this yeah, time. Yeah, the pressure got and to you. Nothing, nothing came naturally. Yeah, that's true. From, it, nothing came from It's usually heart. improv. Improv. It, yeah, you don't want to force you. it. But Ian, don't forget you. We have Ian's words of wisdom. That's right. At the end of the podcast, so, so think about your you words need to of be. You have like an hour and a half to think about your words of wisdom. Uh, okay, I have a lot of things to say, but I don't know if they're wise. <laughs> um, so, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, we'll 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 get it figured out. Well, for those of us here. Wait, when do we do the, the whiskey? Well, the, I think we or? need to finish, like, the introduction Oh, come on. First. Yeah, that's right. Landon, do the introduction. Oh. Well, this is Honey Hole Hangout. <laughs> We're, We're jumping a, a lot of guns <laughs> this morning or this evening. We're a podcast. <laughs> yeah, we are. I think you know that <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. And we talk about hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, yeah. hiking, camping, whiskey, uh... What are some other odds and things we discuss? Uh, creature watch. Creatures. Anything yeah. that we really want to. Creatures that would scare you in the woods. We go on a lot of ten- tangents. Yeah, cool it, Nothing animals. is off limits, except for politics. That's the thing we don't talk yeah. about. Religion. And religion. Yeah. And cursing. And cursing. We don't, don't do any cursing. Yeah, y'all haven't we heard it because we edit it out if it happens. Yeah, we tried to. There's been a couple of things to have slipped, but they're, <laughs> they're just words that are in the Bible. Right. <laughs> Valid point, Cliff. But, uh, yeah, pretty much you can find us all on uh, Honey Hole Angling on YouTube. We have an Instagram at Honey Hole Hangout. No, Honey Hole Angling on Instagram. Is it still Honey Hole Angling, angling? Yeah. yeah, it's okay. not changing on. Okay, so honey hole angling. Everything on is basically honey hole angling, except for the podcast. Except for the podcast, which is honey hole hangout. Because we're just four, di- four dudes hanging out, talking, shooting the breeze. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> shooting the breeze! That breeze of the fan over there in the corner. Yeah, it's not as loud. It's because not. we put it farther away, yeah. and it's on low. It feels nice. Mm-hmm. Does it's just a nice little breeze in here. I wish I had my trauma chair. My butt already hurts. You yeah, want, you want to trade? Well, let's trade like halfway through. All right. Yeah. 
Dang. We can do a, a chair rotation. We can just rotate. That was a soft ad for trauma chairs. They're very comfy. Yes, and I forgot mine. We all have them, except I do not have mine today. What was Landon thinking? We should do like I was thinking about the whiskey. See, we should do like a retroactive ad, like ad for somebody, maybe not trauma, and then see if like increases their sales. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the ad thing, I don't... I don't know. I don't okay. know. We're What's not that? getting into that yet. Yeah. That's down the road. Wait, we need some more countries to start listening to us first. Yes. How many <laughs> countries are we at now? <laughs> well, I don't know if we've yeah, got any new countries. Let me look. That was like the most interesting thing my dad thought about our podcast is that other <laughs> people are... <laughs> that we have, uh, we're international. That we're international. Nothing else. All he had to comment on was that... Let's see. All right, so what are we drinking tonight? Yeah, as Landon's looking that up, I'll go ahead and I'll introduce... No new countries. The, the whiskey. So we are tonight sampling some whiskey given to us by... Gabe. Gabe. So shout out to friend. you, Gabe. Helps us with the Real Recovery Retreats. Our number one poster and listener. Yeah. Our number one fan. Our top stand. fan. He's a stand out, dude. Stand out, dude. Stand up. But right, stand out or stand up? Stand up guy. Stand up guy. Stand up citizen. But he sent us some stand up person. Some yes. whiskey this afternoon, and today we are going to be sampling from his collection Elijah Craig Toasted Barrel, which was created in 1994. No, it's a 94. No, proof. it's a 94 proof. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm reading this label wrong. It's a 94 proof. And it's a uh, year marked 2020. Mm-hmm. There you go. Comes uh, in these cool little bottles. I actually really like that idea. Yeah. Like an mm-hmm. old medicine bottle almost. Yeah. He didn't give us the whole bottle. That's why he put them in those yeah. little bottles. But yeah. I don't okay. blame him. I think him. those are Gabe's bottles. I don't blame him for not giving us a bottle because according to him, this we would not be able to find this bourbon on the market. That, and I mean, there is a cost that is incurred. Correct. He's passing along uh, sample sizes, at least for Correct. free. And there's you know, enough here to... It wasn't exactly free. I did give him some dry fly hackles that I have been holding on for him for like six months. There you go. So Landon is paying people to give us whiskey. <laughs> there you go. All right. But yeah, let's... Uh, sample. Sample. We sample. are actually drinking... Should, should we do like a rating? Like what all, each of us would rate? Yeah. Rate it, and then oh, I have an idea. We so should. What's put our it, rating system going to be? Like we should put something. it on uh, the Instagram story, like the actual bottle. I'll get Gabe to send us a picture of the bottle, and then we can give like our overall rating, and we can keep the keep the stories on our page and keep yeah. them running so people can see what whiskey we're drinking. So, what about honey pots? We could give it honey pots as the st- system. Yeah. What's oh? Like how many oh, honey pots you give this? Out of like, what's the maximum five, of honey pots? Five or ten. Five. Out of five, yeah, we're not five. fancy enough to do any more than ten, like any more than five. Mm-hmm. I feel like five keeps it pretty straightforward. But we are drinking out of ball mason jars because we do this at my place. Yeah, so we can really so get the. We're getting real country. <laughs> we're just getting straight. Everyone, take your shoes off real quick. <laughs> take your teeth. Dude, out. I'm already barefoot, man. No, all right, so right off, I'm drinking it on the rocks just because that's normally how I drink whiskey. I stuff. like I like on the rocks usually. Zach is drinking it. Neat, 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 but that's pretty neat. Off, that's pretty neat. <laughs> <laughs> off the I was nose, waiting for that. Off the nose, it smells really good. It does smell good, mm. and I'm not like a a whiskey master, so I can't uh, 
pick out like true notes. I'm getting a little vanilla, a little caramel. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Not as much fruit. It smells good. It smells, it smells smooth. Mm-hmm. But also, mine being neat, I might get different notes and different. Plus, everybody smells things differently, anyways. Ooh, it is smooth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the rocks, it's definitely smooth. There's a slight burn going down, but a good burn. Makes you feel alive. <laughs> yeah, I got it. That's good. I'm going to give it four honey pots. Yeah, I'm right there for them. Might be five, but I don't know. What do you mean, I don't know? Well, okay, we need to set up our system. Right. I would say five honey pots is that you would Murder absolutely keep this bourbon in stock on your shelf at home. Okay. Four would be you might buy the bottle again. Right. You know? Yeah. Three would be like, if my friend's drinking it, I'm definitely drinking Like, if, if, if Zach's buying the bottle, I'm definitely drinking it again. Yeah. Two is, it's a mixer. No, I think one's always a mixer. Two, you could do, like... One is... It's, I, a, it's a cheap... Like, two, I would say, it's a cheap one that I can scenario. drink on, like, a hunting trip or something. I'm taking it out there just to have, like, a nightcap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't care about it, but it mm-hmm. was cheap enough. No, no, no. Okay, here's what it is. Three is, if my friends have it, I'm definitely pouring myself some. Definitely pouring it. Yeah. A two is, if I have it, I'm definitely pouring it for my friends. Because I'm trying to it. get rid of yeah, it. Yeah, okay. I like that. And then a one is a mixer. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, There's I put this. something lower than one. Come on, like, I'm a bait fisherman or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, guys. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I'd give this a four. I would say a four. Yeah. I would definitely buy this bottle. Depending on the price of it, it, it might be a five because it's, it's very good. That's true. Price is a consideration, but let's not throw price in there. Okay. We'll yeah, just, I'm, I'm, gonna I'm, leave taste, this. I'm tasting oak off of it for sure. Oh. like that toastiness. Mm-hmm. Oakiness. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely toasted. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Thank you, Gabe. Thank you, Gabe. Thank you, Gabe. This is a solid. I would put it probably, I don't want to go too heavy yet in it, but I'm I'm going to say it's a solid three, three and a half. So if we were going to rate it overall, Honey Hole score, we're going to probably say the average would be about four. Or do we add them all up? 3.75. Okay. No, no. We can, we can add them all up in the divide and put it on our Instagram. No, I just need to add them all up. Give it a 12. 12 honey pots. We have a totally different rating system on the page. Yeah, so max would be, well, it depends on how many people try it. It's true. Max would be 15. We should take the average and divide. That way, if we get guests on and they try whiskey, it's not going to throw like one week, it'd be like 15. And then next week, if Ian's with us and we have a guest, it's 25. (laughs) Hey, you know what? So two fours and a three. Dude, I need to come down there, man. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Three six. Three six seven if we round up. How many decimal points y'all want to go? <clears throat> well, How many are there? Y'all want to go two decimal points? Two decimal points. All right, so three point six seven. Mm-hmm. Is where it's at. All right. Let's keep this train moving. Oh, this is good. I'm I'm, I'm enjoying mm-hmm. this. Thank you, Gabe. Thank Again. You, Gabe. 
Should we shout out Gabe's Instagram? Yeah, we can do that. What is it? Bourbon, birds, and bass? If you guys... Bourbons, birds, and bass. Yeah. Give him a follow. Yeah, give him a follow. Tell him what's up. He's a good guy. We got a question this week. Ooh, just one? Just one, but I might cover some of the ones that I didn't hit last Uh week. Because we had a lot last week. So, uh... Paul asked, hand load or factory load for ammunition? Uh, factory load. Factory load. Factory I load. I need another hobby. Like, Well, and I talked with Cliff about this earlier. Oh, Ian, what's your what's your thoughts? Hand load or factory it's load? Factory. I don't trust myself hand loading. <laughs> that's, that's that is the exactly most honest statement. Yep. And that's the, yep, I think that's what we're all thinking. <laughs> like, like when I make coffee in the morning, I don't use like a scoop. I just pour the grounds in there. Like that's like what it would be like hand loading. It would be like be pouring gunpowder. This powder here's a, here's looks a like about enough, it's, and this bullet looks like it fits. Like it would be I think so it, bad. It's like Ian loading a musket. He's just gonna. He's gonna keep going. He's just gonna it's pour. A, it's, I think it's a good like novel concept yeah. to do it, and I think it would be a fun hobby to get into but I don't want to get into that well, at this point. Let me I'm going to be the first one to say I don't even think it would be a fun hobby for me. Let, let me lay the groundwork for why people might want to reload. Okay. There's two scenarios where I think people would reload and I and I one is and I know someone that does this she competition shoots and she shoots a lot of rounds and there is a significant price. Okay. Um, I get that component when you shoot as many rounds as this person does you can save a lot of money by reloading rounds yeah and um you know you don't have to pay for brass you know there's minimal components you have to repay for over and over and over again if you reload okay the other side of the spectrum and i think this is more my dad reloads so i think this is more where he's at and and shooting longer ranges um either the specs that he wants aren't available for purchase. They are really hard to find. They're either not available, the specs that he wants in a bullet are not available, or they're really hard to find and expensive. Right. So he can build the bullet how he wants and then, again, reuse that brass. So there's another price um, component to it. I so, get that. Um, but I, th- I guess it's like you have those people who, like, they spend time at the range, like your dad, right? Mm-hmm. Or yet the people who like, if really they only use firearms to hunt, they're not the ones buying ammo. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. I go. Th- I don't go through a box of rounds a year. You know. Mm. And now shotguns, I do because for dove. You know. But even then, it's maybe two, two to four boxes a year. Yeah. You know. Um, I I do not see an, a way where it could ever be cost effective for me to. Yeah, me me either. To hand load anything. Me either. I I. It would be. I don't shoot enough. Yeah, Cliff, I, do you shoot enough? I, I'm with Ian. I don't trust myself doing it. I'd rather yeah. spend the money and get something that someone else, some scientist. But do you do you shoot enough? Up. Like, how many boxes of ammo do you think you go through a year? Are you talking like rifle ammunition or pistol or both? Let's do let's do rifle. You know, probably not enough to make it cost effective. But I'd say I'd go through a three or four boxes between like sighting in and tinkering and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, 
I probably go through three or four boxes. When I had my AR, it was a different situation. Well, yeah, because you're going through it so much faster. And I'm shooting it at a range. For fun. Right. Not just like, I'm sighting in so that way I can go hunt. Right. Um, like, I'm not taking the, a 6.5 Creedmoor to the range just to shoot. Mm-hmm. Right. You're taking, it, you're taking it in to, for one specific person's purpose to sight in for your trip the other thing is if you're going to be reloading and tinkering then you need to be shooting a lot that's the other side of it so if you're trying to like tinker and get your specs down right you got to shoot those rounds and yeah to find out how it's going yeah so i love going to like the range targets are expensive Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you're good, Ian. Yeah. yeah, targets are. What do you mean by targets are expensive? I mean, I mean, target shooting is expensive, right? Like, I'll shoot one of my rifles, or I'll shoot my pistol that we usually carry, like when we're hog hunting. But after a point, it's kind of like I'd rather be hunting. You know what I mean? Like at like to sight in totally, but I just don't do a ton of range time. You know, honestly, probably four times a year. Yeah. Like outdoor range. No, that's, um, I'm right there. Now, that you. does not include, that does not include ski shooting, but like rifles and pistols about once a quarter, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say the one thing that I might could say it'd be cost effective would be shotgun for me. Yeah. Um, but even then, that's extremely iffy. Mm-hmm. Um, and comparing it and to maybe like, some of my handguns, mm-hmm. it would, and it might would. But again, I'd rather just pay for the fact that someone who knew what they were doing did it yeah. instead of me trying to learn it. Yeah. And then there's like the whole fly tying, like comparing it to fly tying argument, where you know fly tying doesn't really save you money unless you're tying the same fly over and over and over again and i would imagine that reloading is the same way unless you're reloading the same like one or two calibers if you have 30 different calibers and you're you're not doing anything because you have to buy so many different types of components that you have to keep in stock that's true um there's that side of it as well and maybe only, people do it just for fun like i do fly yeah. tying you yeah. know but i guess for me like there is a creative aspect to fly tying which is yeah. why i enjoy doing it but i'm sure there is to some people but just loading my ammunition sounds like one of the most boring things well, I could spend my time I, I don't think I don't think reloading is – that's the creative part. I think the creative part comes with when you go to the range and you see how that reacts. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, you could say the same thing for flies. You know, it's just yeah. seeing, like, if fish are attracted to it. The only know. other thing I can think of, and I don't know if this is true or not, but just, just thinking out loud is that when you have, like, an ammunition shortage right now, I wonder if it's easier to find reloading supplies – and so if you get into a situation where ammo is hard to find, if you're in an advantage if you're a reloader. Maybe, Maybe. But at the same time, there's probably a lot of people who picked up new hobbies, mm-hmm. you know. I think a lot of people just probably enjoy the repetition, too. Like, I know people like that. They, they, they like the process, and, you know, it's calming. Yeah, yeah. just, like, relaxing for them because they know what to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally get yeah. that. Yeah, and it's, like, beneficial. I think a lot of – there's probably some people who just – they find it really relaxing and enjoyable. More power to you. Yep. What else you got? I'm looking. Um, I think I actually... Are you skipping questions? No, no, no. We, <laughs> we only, only got, got one. one. We only got one this week. I'm looking at last week's. Um, Didn't we get an email? We did get an email. Do you guys want me to read that email? Are there questions yeah. on it? <laughs> kind of. Uh, you might want to summarize it. It's pretty long. Yeah, no, I, no, would, no. I, I wouldn't read the whole thing. If I'm yeah. going to read it, I need to read it because it's funny. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'd read the whole thing, though. I think it'd take three minutes to read. Where is it? 
Is that the group message? I know that. Yeah, it's pretty short. All right. This is from Wood Tip Pickle Chip. Howdy from South Texas. This is our first email, by the way. Howdy from South Texas. I was listening on episode 10, I believe, and y'all were discussing possession limits in Game and Fish. We were talking about... Uh, we didn't know, we didn't know the, true, the true rules. The true definition of yeah. possession limit. He said, I'm no legal scholar, but there's plenty of time to think when you're sending all of your newest pump jack. My three buddies and I are in the duck blind for an evening hunt. We happen to also shoot pigs from his, from this duck blind, so we're going to hunt ducks in the evening, pigs at night, and pick right back up with ducks in the morning. All right, okay, this is how we do it in South Texas. You know what I'm saying? Grill in the blind and night vision scopes for the wayward hog. If we shoot our limited ducks, 24 total for the group, during the evening hunt, and also shoot five pigs overnight, how many ducks can we kill and grill on the next morning hunt? How many said they shot a limit, and there's four of them? So that's six times four. 24. Yeah. Keep in mind. (laughs) Keep in mind. (laughs) I'm trying to. The reason why I pause was it goes into into more. How many did he say he grilled that night? He didn't say. He just says, keep in mind, we may have grilled a couple of ducks for supper that night. We ain't out there for no reason, fellas. We got to get them groceries. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Really, I just think all this talk about hunting is going to get that Georgia fella all jacked up on Mountain Dew Ops. <laughs> <laughs> y'all stay healthy and safe and keep up the podcast goodness. Signed, Woodtip. Woodtip? That's his wood name. <laughs> thanks, Woodtip. That was great. We definitely enjoyed reading say, that today. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for emailing in, man. Yeah, for like, sure. Yeah, we enjoyed cool. that a lot. I wonder yeah, if that's cool. an alias or like... It's an alias. It'd have to be. We should figure out who it is and call him one day. I'm oh, down. Okay. We'll see I if like he sends that. more emails, yeah. any more comments hey, on our... That was a really nice email, though. Like, it was... Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty I mean, funny. Wood tip. It if, was good. If you want to email us back your number or something, we'll try and give you a shout on the podcast one day. Let's see what's going let's on. see what's going on. I gotta, all I got to say is shooting ducks and hogs from the same blind. That's like a, good a good setup. That's pretty nice. Yeah. That wasn't like our hunt this weekend. It would have to be. <laughs> it would have. So I've seen these blinds, like these duck blinds on like Facebook and all that, uh, where people make like these like little hunting cabins like on a lake that have like a full size uh, like living room, and kitchen, and sleeping quarters inside the cabin. But the front porch backs up to like a lake, and they brush it in, and they legitimately will sit there and shoot ducks <laughs> off the porch. What, you shoot ducks while you're making eggs? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then like once things slow down, you just go inside and watch football or take a nap or eat or whatever you want. <laughs> this sounds like the greatest thing. And then I guess at night they're coming out and like just sitting there whittling, spitting tobacco, and <laughs> shooting hogs as they come through. Yeah, that's a good place. Can you imagine like them frying you an egg? Uh, you prefer it, or uh, you prefer it fried or scrambled? Uh, hold up, they <laughs> 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 just like gun down a duck. Like how can I say? And that? you're like a uh, scrambled, ma'am. <laughs> that would be fine. I'm sure they're poaching them. That's funny. Well, the we eggs, not the ducks. We don't have any more um, <laughs> questions or nice emails. Blood. Okay. So I guess we can get right into our segments. Okay, let's do it. We don't have buttons yet? No, just just the creature watch. Okay, button. so who who wants to go first? Let's go Cliff, C4. 
C4. And that will future be a <laughs> sound clip. All right. So we're going to start off with Cliff's conserva- cool conservation corner. Um, and this week, I'm actually going to read something from a website. Uh, what website would this be? So I'm pulling straight from Texas Parks and our Texas Wildlife Association, so TWA's website. Um, and the reason I'm doing that is because it gets into some legal aspect stuff, and I want to make sure to get all the detail in on it. Dang it, I said it in water. <laughs> so I want to make sure I'm getting all the details so that we're not missing something. But it to set the backstory of it, and I'm sure it goes into it. Yeah, it does. So I'm going to just start reading. Um, in 2016... Two individual captive deer breeding permit holders filed a lawsuit against Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, TPWD. But why? And three TPWD employees in connection with chronic wasting disease or CWD management rules adopted by Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission to protect all deer in our state. The lawsuit sought to establish that deer head by breeders in captive and primitive and private property are therefore exempt from TPWD regulations. The 98th District Court ruled that deer in Texas are not private property, upholding the public trust doctrine that wildlife belong to everyone. The court further ruled that the two individuals owed attorney fees to TPWD in the amount of approximately $425,000. This ruling was appealed and uh, consequently upheld by the 3rd District Court of Appeals, whose ruling was then appealed to the Supreme Court of Texas. On October 2, 2020, the Supreme Court of Texas denied the petition to review establishing additional clear legal precedent for the Texas Trust Doctrine in our state that, doc- that doctrine in the cornerstone of wildlife management in North America, so it's legal affirmation in a victory for wildlife and wildlife stewards upholding attorney fees will upholding attorney fees will be repaid to TPWD is a victory for Texas taxpayers and hopefully serves as a deterrent for similar lawsuits in the future Texas Wildlife Association has was joined by the Boone and Crockett Club Texas chapter of the Wildlife Society, Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies, National Wildlife Federation, National Wild Turkey Federation, Texas chapter of Coastal Conservation Association, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, Texas and Southwest Cattle Raisers Association, in filing an America's brief with an appellate court in support of TPWD. And here's a quote from the TWA CEO. We are thankful for the strong legal ruling in support of what we have known all along. The wildlife of our state belongs to people of our state. We are thankful for our partners in the America's Brief and are thankful for the perseverance perseverance of TPWD, uh, said David Yates, TWA CEO. So... 
Wait, so, what website was that from? It's from the Texas Wildlife Association. And it's also oh, okay. being heavily reported on by basically everyone right now because it just dropped yesterday, I think. Yeah, so if you had to summarize uh, it, what's, ago, what's happening? Okay, summary <clears throat> in from what I from what I understand mm-hmm. is that there is a group of people that want farm-raised deer right. to be privately owned by the farm that raises them. Okay. The way that animals are treated in Texas is they are owned by the public. Right. Not animals, wild animals. Wild so, animals. Right. And that's not a Texas thing. That is a U.S. thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So it goes back to coming over from England, whereas in England, if you were caught hunting, and it's still it was kind of the- this way, and you kill a deer... It was punishable by death because you were killing the king's deer. That's what I thought. It's the you royalties and right. So along comes the colonies, and everything's pretty much free game. And once they start putting in regulations, this is my understanding of it all in a very brief, like, dumbed-down yeah. version. No, you're good. Um, once we started putting in regulations and stuff, we said it's not a aristocracy all of this wildlife management that's just here in its, in its abundance and later on lackingness uh, is everybody's animal. Right. So, uh, all wildlife, that's why it's technically illegal to own, like, wildlife as pets. Like, if you have a deer as a pet, technically that is illegal. Right, because you can't own something that doesn't belong, belong to, to you. you. Everything is managed and ran through right. the state. It's own... It's overall U.S., but the U.S. gives the ownership and the management properties to the states, and that's why you buy state licenses to hunt. Yep. Um, So these guys believe that if you raise a deer and you have those high high fence where they have the bucks with the 40 points on them because they have... They were saying their argument was that these aren't wildlife deer. Right. These are for lack of a better term, 100% pen raised deer. So it would be along the lines of cattle. Right. In, in like a mind of like comparison. Yeah, yeah. It would be along the lines of cattle. Okay. But technically, the species is still white-tailed deer. Right. Which is recognized underneath the U.S. and the state of Texas as being a state-managed animal. Right. So they can't so own it. They can't couldn't break it apart. Right, because they had to at some point they had to have animals that were owned by the people that they kept to breed. Kind of, sort of. A lot of times they bring them in from different states. Yeah. But um, what happens is the state of Texas has been pretty hands off on it you can raise these deer pen raise sell them off sell them for hunts whatever you want to do with them as much as you want where this came into a contingency is now there are i believe five counties in the state of texas that have cwd right like and they can trace it back to these pens some of them yes the majority of them actually are, are pen raised Oh, you know, the CWD spreads with deer coughing and eating the same grass, and literally they're in a pen a fraction of the size. Of course it's going to spread. Right, but I don't want to say it's just pen because, like, in, like, the Midwest, like Wisconsin and stuff, it's a lot more rampant. Definitely. It's not not just pen, but 
it's kind of like people. Like the second we all get funneled back into schools and everything else, flu season starts back up. You know, it's because we're yeah. all in the same space. Right. Same thing with yep. these deer. So, <clears throat> and to my knowledge, all the cases of CWD, chronic wasting disease, right, has been that have been confirmed in the state of Texas all have originated from high fence farms. Right. So, in order to mitigate CWD in Texas, as it is clearly a growing problem, it might still be minute, but right. if it's gone from one county to five counties or whatever you want to call it. It's growing. It's growing yeah. by technicality is what I'm talking. The TP, Texas Parks and Wildlife. Go on. Go on, Cliff. You're good. Texas Parks and Wildlife has set forth regulations in order to manage and mitigate CWD in our wildlife, or in our deer population. Now, these people are saying that they don't want to adhere to the regulations and standards, and because these are farm-raised deer, they feel that it shouldn't apply to them. Right. So they sued the state, or Texas Parks and Wildlife, and the employees to say... We don't have to do this. This is our our deer. They're pen raised, da 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 da. Right. Texas Parks and Wildlife says no, they're still whitetail. We it's allow still, you to pen raise them, but they're it's, ours. It's still managed underneath the state for hunting regulations and purposes. I see where I see it being an issue is I, I can understand the farmer sentiment. I really can. Yeah, and, it's been and time. I would I would agree to an extent that it's their deer. Right. The issue that I see it and why it needs to be a regulated thing is the fact that fences get holes in them. Yeah. People either cut and go in and poach. Fences break down. Natural. Natural. Disasters, whatever. Anything. Car accidents. So, say a CPWD deer on your property, which, yes, if you get a confirmed case, they, they do have regulations in that of where you have to kill off the entire herd. Right. And you can't raise deer for, like, five years on the property. Right. There are things in place. But, say, you didn't find that deer. So, your property is still technically unregistered as having a CWD case on it. Right. But there is a deer with CWD on the property. Yeah. Hole gets in fence. Deer, cows, whatever, they're still animals. They roam, gets through hole or broken down fence, and goes into the natural state-ran properties or anything like that and connects with a non-pen or a native deer or whatever you want to call it, a wild deer. And then it contracts CWD. And then it goes back to its herd. And then it just spreads from there. I think it's just a mitigation thing. And I think... Well, also, though... So, if we are saying that the farmers get to own, those are their property, then technically, if they have a CWD deer break out of their property and infect everything else, then that owner then is liable liable for all the damage that causes. Right? Right. Um, plus, not to mention, it sets a precedent that I don't people, want that precedent to be set. No, no, me neither, and it shouldn't. So, I mean, there's a, there's a give and take. You know, it's like yes, 
even though you're pinning up whitetail, which are technically all of our property, yes, that's okay. You can grow them to however big. You can make money off of them. But you can't, um, you're not held liable. You know, if they, if you sell one to another ranch and that one spreads a herd and they don't have high fence there, you know, mm-hmm. so. I think it's just a, I think the regulations are just a precaution to mm-hmm. protect the, the wild herds that we have here. For sure. Yeah. And to argue against it just because it's, that, that's easily something that could get out of hand super quickly. For sure. I mean, if you wanted to take it, I'm not trying to get political, but if you wanted to take it by like. Never mind, I'm not going to go into that. Um, but it's, it's something that could get out of hand quickly and something that we're still learning about CWD. And we see states that have a horrendous problem with it. Mm-hmm. And to be fair to Texas Parks and Wildlife, I think Texas Parks and Wildlife, as far as wildlife management, does a fantastic job. For sure. There's a reason why so many people in Texas hunt. It's because it is really relatively easy yeah you know because the parks and wildlife department does a really good job they stay out of your way a lot of times for sure but they also do good programs and conservation efforts for sure no they don't do everything perfect i would love to have a little bit more public land that's easier to access with more whitetail opportunities but can't have everything oh that goes more into other aspects <laughs> that's a bigger <laughs> yeah, it's but, bigger. yeah. That's, and that's, also, that's not their fault <laughs> to cap off the end of the article um basically to um that this decision would be very hard to appeal and sets a precedent as well so it's it's pretty well set for the time being yeah yeah cool that was that's a good, good article i enjoyed that one a lot that's yeah. a that's a big win i, I just want our listeners to understand that's a pretty big win yeah for conservation. conservation. Yeah. Cool, man. CBWD is, I mean, it's, it's a kind of scary disease when you start looking at oh, it. Oh, yeah, I mean, chronic it's wasting. Lo- it's along the same lines of, like, mad cow. It's prions in the brain yeah. and all this other stuff. And it spreads so easily, dude. Um, yeah. And <laughs> they don't know. I mean, we we clearly have, I mean... Look at COVID. It jumped from what we believe was a bat in a wet market in Wuhan to humans. Right. We don't know if still if eating a CWD-infected deer can pass to humans. Same thing with mad cow disease. We didn't know that it could pass to humans. Right. There's still a lot of unknowns. We don't know if we can make the species jump or whatever. It's right. Called. And right now it's showing that it can't and that it's not. Right. But you never know what the future holds with it. Because yeah. diseases are constantly mutating. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. It's just a matter of time before that amoeba or whatever it is figures out a way to, you know, just move on to the next best thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it'd be interesting, Cliff, if one week you wanted to talk, talk about, uh, for our listeners that don't know, CWD, what it is, and the big overall issues. That'd be cool. Yeah. On that as a whole. That could almost be our main topic one time when we could all just do a little research on it. That's true. Because I think we'd need a guest speaker for that because there's definitely a lot sure. more people who even I know that know a little bit more or more than I yeah. do. Okay. That. Or people who have actually like studied it. Mm-hmm. That yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Like everything that I know on it is just like articles that I've read. Right. Mm-hmm. But like I think we all know enough people or the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon where we could figure out somebody who knows their stuff, mm-hmm. you know? I like bacon. For sure. Yeah, Kevin Bacon. 
All right, who's up next? Uh, let's do neat things in nature. If Ian's ready to go, I am ready to go. That's pretty. Can neat. You guys that's, hear me? Okay. That's pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, we can hear you. <clears throat> cool. Okay, this is from Nature World News. Ooh. The title of the article, which was uh, written by them, I think it was like a staff writer, Virginia invaded by venomous caterpillars, which appear like walking toupee. A walking toupee? Yeah, like the hairpiece. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I'm interested. Um, So the opening line, I'll just read a little bit from this article. This strange little crawling insect may have a funny appearance looking like a bald person's artificial hairpiece that ran amok. But the venomous pus that it squirts from the knife-like spine, I love this writer already, it possesses is nowhere near amusing, especially to its victim. Um, So basically, the Virginia Department of Forestry received, like, several reports of the presence of these caterpillars in eastern Virginia. Um, And the vermin is a larva of the something I can't pronounce, or southern flannel moth. It has pus, apparently has pus that, like, comes out of its hair or something, and has, like, stinging spines. Um, it looks pretty terrible. Apparently, it's really painful if you get stung. Um, they said it's, the general public is advised, as a quote, to avoid these creatures at all costs. The larva is the most venomous United States caterpillar. Interesting. Um, so can it kill a person, it, or is it just venom? I don't know if it can kill a, pe- a person. Okay. Uh, uh, it stung a few people, and they just said it was extremely painful. Um, let's see. Let me find see if I can find another article. But, like, apparently it looks like a walking hairpiece. I got to um, see a picture. I know. So, wait, hey, Ian, what was the name of this thing? It's called... Um, there's two names, like there's, I think, with the technical name or the Latin name, and then they call it a Southern Flannel. Wait, hold on a second. How do you spell it? Um, just Google uh, Virginia Venomous Toupees. <laughs> It'll come up. Are you on your laptop? <laughs> I'm on my, on my phone. Yeah, Virginia Venomous Toupees. Ba- basically, they're just like really venomous caterpillars. They're walking around. It doesn't mention whether it's fatal. To oh, people. the toxic toupee, dude. Let me see a picture. Oh, man, the mouth on this thing looks freaking gnarly. It looks scary, man. Ooh. Right? But look at the mouth on it. It's disgusting. They're saying it's been warmer in Virginia, um, and which has apparently like activated these things. Um This is from LiveScience.com. This is the direct quote. CNN reported that the caterpillar's venom is similar to bee stings that people have had bad allergic reactions to. Okay. Um, so I, it doesn't say if they're fatal. They may not know. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't read anything that says that, so I don't want to speak to that. But yeah, CNN reported that it was similar to a bee sting. Um, but I mean, people get. You're allergic, right, to bees, Landon? I am allergic to bees. Yeah, so it's like it could it could possibly be really um, dangerous if <laughs> someone who had a reaction. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool though. 
they look creepy as heck, man. They do. You guys looking at them? Yeah. Oh, they look yeah. scary. And they literally look like like toupees, like with legs. Yeah. And weird spines coming yeah. out of it. Apparently, it's an outbreak year, and this was written in 2020. Huh. Weird, man. That's crazy. So, That's cool, Ian. That's pretty cool. neat. That's pretty neat. So if you see if you live in Virginia and you're listening to this podcast and you see a toupee going down the street, just avoid it all costs. Send us a don't picture. Touch it. Send us a picture, but don't touch it. Don't touch. Don't touch it. No, be safe out there. We don't want you getting hurt. Right. All right, guys. Now we're moving on to On Patrol. On Patrol. What's our soundbite gonna be for On Patrol? I just would rather a clip do the sound bite instead of us actually having That's one. That's right. Wee-oo, wee-oo, wee-oo. <laughs> there you go. Great. All right. We're going to continue on with our uh, cold case files. Now, this one that I'm about to read is quite graphic. Okay. So, pre warning. Um, also, in my research over the past couple weeks, I think this is our fourth week. This is definitely the most reported on. Cool. Um, probably because of how gruesome it is. Yeah. Um, if it bleeds, it leads. This. <laughs> this that's a real thing. <laughs> no, that is a real thing. That's, yeah. that's how they refer to it. Yeah. That's not how I've heard that yeah. saying. <laughs> um, so, just to, that, that's the pre warning. Um, but also, this is probably the most uh, reported on. If you guys were to look up cold case files in Google. Um, this is what you're definitely going to find this case. Um, uh, the article I found this on was on, uh, um, A&E, like the TV show on their website. Um, but it's also on the, uh, national park website as well that I've basically like found all your stuff on, found all my stuff on. So, um, yeah, this one is called, they titled a killer in the woods. Uh, Julie Williams grew up in Minnesota, the kind of girl who never saw a tree. She didn't want to climb. A natural athlete, she won the state doubles championship in tennis in high school, but also had uh, a cerebral side. Julie was a prolific writer as well. Um, she discovered discovered a passion for geology and social justice. She was fluent in Spanish and volunteered as an interpreter for local police, translating for domestic violence victims. So basically like an all-around stand-up citizen. Wait, what, what side is this from, again? Uh, this one's from A&E, uh, like, okay. the t- like the uh, um, TV. TV channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Laura, her friend, grew up in an affluent community in Gross Point, Michigan, but suffered trauma in her childhood that she struggled to overcome. Um, despite the ghost in her past, friends remembered her energy, sense of humor, and kindness. She eventually found her calling as a wilderness guy and met Williams in an outdoor educational program. The two fell in love and planned um, a trip to Shenandoah in May 1996, partly to celebrate Williams' new job as a geologist in Vermont's Lake Champlain region. I think that's how you pronounce that. Champlain? Champlain. Champlain. Yeah. Um, Photos of the vacation show the women, re- the women relaxing, basking in sunlight, and sweeping views. And um, if you guys, there's these photos are out there, so you guys can see them. I'll that's show them bad. to you guys because are they pretty bad? Uh, that's like just them. <clears throat> basically, they're just setting it up. It's like there's photos of them on vacation gotcha, at this place. At this park. Yeah, so it's like 
you know, well documented they were there. Yeah, um, okay. Th- they were last seen May 24th, 1996, hiking with their golden retriever, Taj. When Julie didn't return, Tom Williams reported her missing on May 31st, sparking an intensive search by park rangers. Taj was located first, that was the dog, wandering alone in the woods. On June 1st, rangers found the bodies of the young woman at their campsite off the Brittle Trail, just short, just a short distance from the Skyland Resort. Someone had um, bound them and killed them. Despite the proximity... Go ahead, Ian. I was going to say, they think they were murdered. Oh, they yeah. Were. They were bound and killed. Oh, so like, for oh. sure. For sure. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, man. Despite the proximity to the resort, a watering hole that draws packed crowds in the summer, investigators had few clues or witnesses. But a year later, a female cyclist was almost abducted in Shenandoah by an enraged driver who screamed obscenities and tried to run her off the road. The driver... Daryl David Rice of Columbia, Maryland, was caught by police and later convicted of attempted abduction. Prosecutors placed Rice at Shenandoah during the time period the two were vacationing and claimed he killed them in a homophobic rampage, which he denied. Rice was uh, indicted for murder in 2001, only to have the case fall apart in 2000. For with insufficient forensic evidence. The National Park Service is still investigating and has offered an award for tips leading to the murderer's arrest and conviction. Uh, Wait, so, but he, he admitted to it? No, he denied it. Oh, okay. And then they still thought he did it, but they didn't have enough forensic evidence, so the case just kind didn't of fell. work out. So we don't know for sure if he didn't do it. We don't know for sure if he didn't do it, but the lack of evidence tying him to the crime in the article would lead me to believe... That he did not. That... I'm not saying he didn't, but if they had something, like, legit tying him there, then odds are he would be true convicted. Yeah. Um, a, he is suspect. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, it's been, we're still a United States. Yeah. Um, he was convicted on the attempted abduction. So there is that. Um, I don't know what that ended up being, but uh, he did try to abduct someone else. Oh, he tried to abduct that other girl. Yes, the bike rider. Uh, so he's not like, okay. he's not like, oh, I didn't do this thing. Yeah, so, um, I don't know. It sounds like to me, and, you know, with a lot of these articles, and, and I even looked at multiple websites, it's a lot of the same information regurgitated. Right. Um, but, you know, it seems like to me, if they had legitimate evidence tying him to the crime other than like, oh, we know he was at the park during this time, you know, him being at the park at the time of that murder doesn't convict him of the crime. You know, if there was any evidence tying him to the crime, they would probably have mentioned it. Right. And it would be a big news story. For sure. Like, it wouldn't be as cold of a case Correct. if they like, were like, well, this guy got off on a lucky break, but... Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. They, they, they would definitely mention he got off on a lucky break. Right, and, like, oh, they... F- and it would be big news. Right, for sure. Um... The mystery haunts Julie's family who created a charitable fund in her name. It doesn't get much easier, Tom Williams said, adding his daughter believed in justice, um, not in a vindictive way, but in a fair is fair way. Yeah. Um, and that, that's how the article ends. Man, that's sad. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, well, I mean, it's been 24 years, so who knows? That's, it's tough. Yeah. And, you know, the... The forensic evidence is so good now. 
you know, you would, you would think that it's something like that. There's a reason, like, there was a serial killer era because... It was hard to get caught. It was hard to get caught. Yeah. And this happened... Dude, they... Go ahead, Ian. They caught the original Night Stalkers or the Golden... I don't... Yeah, which is that guy... The Golden Gate Killer? It's the same one, right? Because apparently what happened, and don't quote me on this, is that they had a little bit of DNA in the 70s or 80s and then they were able to use that upload it to some sort of database and then build like a genetic profile of like mm-hmm. who it could possibly be and if you're if you're like uh where they call them not a taxon them is but another thing let us know but apparently they were able to build some <clears throat> pardon me some sort of genetic profile and then look at like ancestry data and then like that's how they found it and oh. apparently, like, they found the guy, and then they took, like, a cup out of his trash can or something, something like that, and were able to make a DNA match. And that case went cold for, like, 25, or, like, maybe, like, 30 or 40 years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and there's always those cases where they're able to use today's technology on past crimes and do stuff like that. Right. But yeah. if they didn't keep DNA evidence, or a lot of times that evidence doesn't last all these years, it just gets... The more time that gets away from it, the harder they get to solve. Right. Now, podcasts have solved. Podcasts have solved cold cases before. Right. So, just throwing that out there. Who knows? Who knows? That'd be a cool one to solve. But if you um, murder someone, email honey or detective agency a honey hole. <laughs> <laughs> honey hole hangout dot com. So that's the National um, Park cold case files report for on today. Patrol on patrol. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wee woo, wee woo. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> All right, guys. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said this one was kind of creepy. It is creepy. I think it's probably the creepiest one I brought. Even more than La La Chusa? Yeah, I would say it's creepier than La La Chusa. Okay. But like, right. Or maybe it's on par with La La Chusa. Man, this is a heavy episode. I know. Okay. Okay, you guys ready? Yep. It's time for Creature Watch. Such a solid little ringer. Um, that being said, like I said, this thing is kind of creepy. So... If you aren't a fan of creepy things or have listeners who maybe aren't a fan of creepy things, uh, maybe skip ahead a few minutes. But uh, today I am talking about the Wendigo. The Wendigo. Yeah. So uh, it's also known as the Flesh Eater of the Forest. Ooh. So We our, like to spend time in the forest. I know. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> Just you wait. Oh. Um, People have said that it's either a mythical creature or an evil spirit. And there's actually a lot of different origins. Uh, but the main one is it's from the folklore of the First Nations. Uh, I hope I say, I hope I'm saying this right. Uh, Algonquin tribes. Which is up in uh, Canada, right? Yep, exactly. Northern Nova Scotia uh, mm-hmm. in the forests up there. Um, so believe, people believe that it's a monstrous, malevolent spirit who possesses a human and turns cool. them into what we call a Wendigo. Mm-hmm. Um, the spirit makes them cr- kind of go crazy. It changes their whole body shape, and it makes them uh, murder, have an insatiable greed, and uh, they have cannibalistic tendencies. And for whatever reason, whatever the cultural norms are, they kind of like find the taboo things, and they do those in the area that they're at. Mm. Um the name 
of Wendigo actually comes from the psychosis, which means people who have a fear that they crave uh, human flesh, but they're aware of it and they are fearful of becoming cannibals. So it's kind of like they think they may want human flesh, but they don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, many accounts of how it looks, um, but they believe it is a beast uh, that has supernatural abilities. It looks kind of weird. Um, and it's usually associated with winter, cold, or like famine and uh, starvation. So I know you said like First Nations, so that kind of is a timeline, but do you have like a like time frame? I do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, I will get there. Um, kind of a timeline of when people think this kind of things first came around uh, and stuff like that. Um, but to describe it, people say that it's many times larger than a person, maybe like up to 15 feet. It's very emaciated, like extremely skinny because it has this hunger that it can never satisfy. Mm-hmm. Um, they say that its skin is pulled so tight over its bones and it's so skinny that some of its bones are actually poking through its skin. Ooh. Right. Uh, it has an ashy gray skin tone. Its eyes are so deep into its head, it looks like it's just black nothing. Um as well as it has a very strong odor of decay and death, as well as blood all around its decaying mouth. So Sounds not like kind of like a, a zon- like a skinny zombie. Kind of. Yeah, but it's very aware of what it's doing to yeah. some extent. I guess. No, well, I mean, it's so, in, like, it can never satisfy. Um, creepy thing. After eating someone, it would take on their shape, but still look, like, extremely thin and emaciated. Um because it can never be satisfied. Even if it just ate everything, it would still like be skinny because it would still have that mm. hunger. Um, some believe that humans uh, who were overcome with greed actually became the Wendigo, and that's mm. how the, the spirit would first start uh, and mm-hmm. take, kind of take over. But the first Wendigo that's even back to like what these tribes believe is a hunter was in the woods in the late 1800s. Okay. So this is kind of the time frame. So late 1800s, and he thought he would go out for a quick hunt. While he was out there, a bad storm came in, right? And he was lost out there for days, couldn't find anything, right? Days, he's getting hungrier and hungrier as he's out there. So finally, days later, he runs into another uh, hunter, and he kills him and eats him. Mm. So at that point on, he became this monster that had to eat human flesh in order to survive. So that's kind of where the origin story is. And they date it to early 1900s, late 1800s. So, yeah. So now he became this crazed man, beast, roaming the forest, looking for more people, unfortunately. Um, This is what I think is the creepiest thing. And that is his best talent is he can use human voices and he can mimic people that uh, loved ones of people who are in the woods. Oh gosh! Yeah. So uh, what he will do is he can, uh, you know, use somebody's voice, lure somebody in, and then take them. Then uh, he can turn others into Wendigos if they are in a like a very lonely, isolated place, like mentally and physically. Um. After a sighting, people say many people in the area will mysteriously disappear. They don't know why. They don't know if they're turning into them. They don't know if they're you know, being killed by them. Uh, the last sighting was in 2019. A man was hiking in the woods when he heard the voice of his friend who had passed away a few years earlier. And it was calling out to him. 
He immediately ran away, saying that it was the scariest thing he's ever heard, and that he's heard many animals in the wild, but nothing had compared to this. Where was this at? Uh, <laughs> this was, I believe this was in Ohio or in uh, Canada. Okay. Uh, so I guess that was it. The moral of the story is always bring snacks on a hunting trip so you don't turn into a Wendigo. Oh, man. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch, but Cox Contour TV helps make that decision easier. Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour Voice Remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at coxcox.com slash contour. This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch, but Cox Contour TV helps make that decision easier. Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour Voice Remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at coxcox.com slash contour. That's, if you, that was if pretty you, terrifying. Right? I'm telling you, so if you hear, like, voices out in the woods, you run. Yeah. You do not go near this those voices. This guy sounds like he was legitimately freaked out by this. Yeah. For sure. Um, can you kill them? Oh, I don't know. Hmm. Few people have seen them. The weird thing is, is that after like the 1920s, they were they they saw them between late 1800s and 1920s, and then they didn't really see them for many years mm-hmm. until not that rec- many greedy people around, right? I guess. But <laughs> recently, <laughs> recently, uh, people are starting to say they're seeing them again. Hmm. So 2020, year of the Wendigo. Hmm, <laughs> that's a lot to like wrap my mind around. I told you, it's up there with a Lollapalooza. That's creepier than La La Chusa. I told you. I thought so. Yeah, especially like the using loved one's voices to like lure you. Right. That's messed up. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. Right? That's spooky. I wouldn't worse, wish that on anyone. <laughs> no. That's awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so this guy heard it in 2019? Yeah, 2019 was the last sighting. Hmm. Or I guess technically he didn't see it. He heard it. Interesting. I'd like to interview him. I know, right? It didn't have his name. It just said Margaret. Guy. Margaret was his name. And Bingo was his name. Oh, man. Yeah, Bingo. Yeah. When Bingo, what's his name? Oh man, that was right there. He just took it. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> oh gosh. All right. Well, after those two like stories, back to back, let's uh, we should split those up a little bit. I, I didn't. I don't know. I, <laughs> I didn't know what yours was. Oh man. Okay. Cool. So let's move on to our main topic then. Main topic. We went hunting this weekend. <laughs> yeah, we tried. We tried. No, we went well, no, hunting. It's still we didn't hunting. go killing. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that that is a great point, Cliff. Yeah, it's still hunting even if you don't see anything. Why were we unsuccessful? I think it was because of the wind. And I think, well, I think there's multiple the reasons. Wind? I think the wind had a lot to do with it. I think. Really? Because it's always windy. Right. I, did, I, I think that we didn't pray to Wakanda. Wakanda. Um, yeah, so, but do you know many people who are successful bow hunters out there? 
Um, Your dad did say we were the only ones stupid enough to try. Right. On our property. But I do know there are both, like, um, Larry Dove. Uh-huh. Who you guys uh, ran into? Uh-huh. He had the puppy. He bow hunts. He bow hunts and yeah. is like he hunts a lot, but is successful. Yeah, I think yeah. So I think that that had a lot to do with it. That just the wind, we weren't necessarily prepared as much as we would have liked to be when mm-hmm. it comes to that. And then I also think not being as familiar with the area. Yeah, and I made a point to like drive you guys around the property and show y'all everything. Right. Um, and I didn't show y'all. Like, we didn't have time to show y'all everything, but I kind of showed y'all, like, the main features um, of the property. Yeah. So, I think there was just a lot of good lessons learned, and, like, I've never bow hunted out there. I've always rifle hunted. And you guys can, like, after seeing the property, you guys could understand why, 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 why rifle hunting on our property specifically, because neighboring properties do not have the landscape that ours do. Yeah. Ours is very unique in the fact that we have a canyon that goes through. Right. Typically, we hunt Above. up on the canyon and shoot down into the canyon. Right. So we'll hunt cliff sides. Um, which, which is an almost – it's impossible with the bow. It's, you can't do it with the bow no. because the cliffs are so tall yeah. in some areas. But, yeah, but if you're rifle hunting, it's great. Yeah. You know, because, like, you get up out of the way – Nothing can really see you it's, or smell you. It's great if you're rifle hunting and you're a good shot. Yeah. Because no, some true. shots can be really far. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. see that too. Yeah. Pro- I would say the whole weekend was a, a learning opportunity though. Yeah. And yeah. uh, when we went out there, me and you have never seen the property. Yeah. Not knowing what to expect. There is a huge cliff that runs straight through the center of the property. I wanted to put up a tree stand. In his first time, I've ever done that. Cliff had three options for trees. Yep. Yeah, it was very on, on the whole property. And uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even when I found them, there was some weird There's a lot stuff. of work to be done to make them yeah. usable. Um, I also think a downside to us is all the neighboring properties probably have feeders on them. And there's no feeder on your property whatsoever. And I think the deer are probably... They're set to those feeders on these other properties, so they're using your property as either bedding areas, refuge areas, water, um, water. We have water, and a lot of places don't have water, and we don't have feeders pretty specifically. You, you do throw corn like the night before yeah. or the morning of, but I still think like they get on like a schedule almost, mm-hmm. and I know it's like. It's a weird schedule. I'm, I'm not saying like 7 o'clock they're showing up every day or anything like that. I'm just saying that they get used to these feeders so they know like at a certain time of the night, around this time, I'm probably going to be wandering over there. And I think they're using your property more as a corridor instead of like a home place. Mm-hmm. And I do think that they are calling it home for the water, bedding opportunities, and all this other stuff. But I do think that having other feeders around probably mm-hmm. or feeders on other property they're probably going back and forth and there are feeders like kind of technically on our property but they're at family homes and they just like like deer coming up to the backyard in the evening right and so and we're obviously gonna like not hunt those feeders right um so 
Um, it's not necessarily even that they're moving off of our property, but they're going to these specific areas. And in some ways, we could take advantage of that. And in some ways, we can't. But they'll right. go to areas that we aren't going to. So or we weren't going to. Um, now, with that being said, my brother did see a really nice deer. An eight point. A nice, a really nice eight point. But he, he was a, also he a picture of it still. Uh, I'll pull it up in a bit for you. But he was also rifle hunting for hogs. For hogs, and he was away from where we had laid corn in that spot. Whereas, like we were all within probably thirty yards of where we put corn. Yeah, he was a hundred yards. He said he was a hundred yards yeah. away, which is on our place a relatively close shot. And him having a rifle, totally doable if it was rifle season. Right. To be fair, this is also his hunting. Like, it's Aaron's, like, it's marked Aaron's spot. It's, like, his hunting spot. And him and my dad even cleared out, like, a bunch of cedars to, like, open it up. And they've done a lot of work. And it's kind of, like, up on a cliff. So it would be really hard to bow hunt from that spot. Right. Yeah. Also, I think you can be more successful by actually hunting every time, every chance you get. That's true. Like, we go up there for a weekend here, a weekend there, a weekend here. Right. And, and you don't sleep in. I think, I think we, I think we messed up on Sunday by sleeping in. Yeah, we all messed up on Sunday, guys. We stayed we up too late. In. We had a fire. Yeah. Um, and we did a lot on Saturday. I, also I was sore Saturday night. And, like, Sunday it felt good to sleep in. I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie. I also feel like... We probably did ourselves a disservice by how much work, especially on like that deer stand area. Yeah, we probably how much work like, we yeah. we did do there because I think that we just spread our scent everywhere, spread it everywhere, and we wore ourselves out. Yes, you especially. I, I think I think I did because I mean I even got over exhausted. You got some heat, heat exhaustion. exhaustion. Yeah, make sure whenever you guys laid go out. down right in the middle of a freaking game trail, which that was. My stupid move, but yeah, I mean, water. at the same time, I was about to throw up. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, man. I was nervous for you. I was like, you're up there 20 feet up in a tree. It was probably I wasn't there. I was running a <laughs> medicine run because these guys were dying of allergies out there. It's not my fault you had a cat. No. <laughs> it's not my cat. No. Also, there was like a million things out there that can give you allergies. Yeah. But, I mean, like I was prepared I because we, I know what West Texas wind will do to me. Mm-hmm. I think we nailed it down though that it was the cat. You think yeah, it was every, the cat? Every time you went inside, you were about to die. Yeah. But even outside before you had the No, medicine. except for in the that one area at the bus, the Shangri-La. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, we got to talk about the bus. Uh where all cool. that ragweed that that got me going a little bit mm-hmm. but that did like, get you going when yeah. we were actually hunting i didn't even sniffle in the tree stand yeah no but also i wore my buff pretty much every time we were outside and it wasn't because of covid it was mm. because of allergies yeah because like out there with that wind man everything's it, it'll give you a sinus infection if you don't take care of it yeah um the bus was cool I sh- the, the bus was cool we have this like what I don't know. Like, what would you guys date that bus? It's a school bus. I'd probably say 50s or 60s. Yeah. 50s or 60s. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's cool. um, Just out there. It's been there a while. Like, all the cedars have grown around it. It used to be, like, you used to be able to drive up to it. We kind of had to hike hike out to it. And then even then, it was all growing up around it. It was hard to get into. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you could only access it really from the back door. Yeah. But at one point in time, some people lived in it. It's been a hunting camp before. Um, so it's kind of like a cool, yeah. it's got an old refrigerator in it. And it's definitely a landmark. Yeah, yeah it's cool. I, I, uh, I enjoy taking film, foot, like 
photos on film, mm-hmm. and it was like a film photographer's dream. Yeah, I climbed like, on top of it. Cliff climbed yeah, on top. They weird. don't make them like they used to. They no. don't. Couldn't climb on top of a regular bus. No, you'd fall you'd probably, in. Yeah, you fall in. <laughs> that roof would just be like. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, did not have to go to the bathroom on your property at all. What you held it? I did not oh go number. God. I did not go number two on the. You didn't mark your territory. I, uh, I peed everywhere. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I didn't go number two. That's probably also. I think it's just like. Yeah, I, I peed everywhere, even when hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was just. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I tried that hard. I mean, I never peed in like our hunting spots for sure. I'd go walk off like two hundred yards. Your spot where you hunt though, Zach. Uh huh. I'm hunting that spot. Okay. No, no, like not necessarily when we go, but like just in general. I might even buy like a ground blind and not go all the way up the hill like we did for your spot. I think don't go all up, the way up the hill. Go up to the part where that dark green brush starts. Mm-hmm. I think setting up a pop-up blind in that area would be a smart. Yeah. At yeah. least then you have like a, a spot set up. And you know you they the pop over that. They yeah. pop over and they cut under the fence. that fence. Yeah. Yeah. The dentist. The dentist the line. The dentist fence. The dentist fence. So, yeah, we went out there, and the on Saturday, after we hunted Saturday morning, we went out there, and Landon was showing us all our spots, because this was the first time that we were actually seeing the property in daylight. After we hunted that morning, because I, like, blindly sent these guys hunting in the dark, and they had no landmarks or anything. Yeah, but when we went out, then I started, I took off everything that I had previously posted as a possible spot on onyx took everything out and then as we were driving through these landmarks i was pinning them and saving names to them so mm-hmm. i was getting to name a lot of places on the rowlet mm-hmm. ranch um you named a tree shady oak but it was a walnut tree <laughs> yeah i changed it to <laughs> no i named it oak hollow oak and hollow. i changed it to walnut hollow yeah. now and then Ridge line, which is where the tree stand is, and then uh, Sleepy Hollow, that overgrowth tunnel of trees. Or I call sumac. it Sleeper Hollow. Yeah, that's Sleepy a problem. Hollow. That sumac's a bad problem. Yeah, but Sleepy Hollow was a good name for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was. It's not that bad. I would just clear off that undergrowth in the like where it's growing in the middle of it, so you can drive in it. I think you. It's can pretty though. Yeah, it it's is. cool. It's pretty. I like that. I I barely showed you guys like that back open. Yeah, which property. is where I stayed pretty much the whole time for hunting. A, a lot of successful hunts way back there. That, that back car. It's, it's does the very canyon, open. Does the canyon tighten up towards the back? Yes. Okay. It does so it a little bit, like a then it opens up. It makes a funnel. There's um, definitely some pinch points and stuff there, and there's a lot of game trail back yeah. there. I mean, well, yeah, that one that was right by you had like three or four three runs or four going four through it. Yeah. yeah, so I, I think if we go out there again, we need to work on that section of the property as far as like scouting and figuring out areas back there yeah because mm-hmm. that's probably the least pressured area of the entire property mm-hmm. well yeah because you can't just drive through i mean you mm-hmm. can but it's tough you don't do i have some time. other ideas too some other places um that i would archery hunt but not rifle hunt because of proximity to like town which also i still think it's hilarious that you thought there was a dollar general in nolan can't blame him he didn't know yeah I just, in my mind, it's funny. Yeah. I know you didn't know. Apparently, this is But Cliff is like, can I just fun. run to the Dollar General and Nolan? We looked at him like. 
I'm not going to lie. I would have assumed there would be something for people to buy. There's a post office. Yeah. I would have figured that there was going to be some sort of a general store for people to buy, like, simple groceries. Or at a minimum, a gas station that you could go in and they might have something, you know. Mm -hmm. Because, like, what else do people do? They just starve to death? But no. Drive to Sweetwater. And Sweetwater's 15 miles away. Mm -hmm. So it's not that bad. I guess I can get it. But I was expecting... It has its own post office and... Fun fact about the post office. It's the only one left in the U.S. that has the double eagle locks, like, to open your mail. It's, what? like, two, like, you know, like, the turn knob locks. There's two of them. They're called, like, the double eagle. Uh-huh. It's the only one in the U.S. left with those locks to your actual, like, P.O. box. So why is it double eagle? That's just what they were. That's, like, what they called them. That's just the name so why do of you those to, types of locks. But who wants to do two? Or you no. have to line up two of the numbers. I don't exactly know. I've never had to get mail from there. That's the worst fact I've ever heard, then. Does it still operate? Who even it's still operate. there, dude? I'm, no, I'm there's, a, there's, a, the worst fact, there's a postal office employee that works there. One. Is but basically, you've got to think every other, like, P.O. box lock system in the U.S. has been updated except for Nolan, Texas. Except no for that one. Yes. Yeah, that's, 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 that's cool. the fact. Yeah, that's cool. So, um, did you guys ever drive through Nolan? Yeah. What'd you do, Cliff? I hung a left outside, so you come out the driveway, and I took a left. Which yes, is you the went to Nolan, which is the way you all yeah, said. But then was you went, t- turned right to go back. When you get when you get to Nolan, you take a right and then you cut back. Yeah. So if you guys would have gone straight, you would have seen like the community center, the post office. There's an old restaurant there. The post the, office. The restaurant was there uh, when the windmills were being put in. So even not that long ago, there was a restaurant there. in Nolan. In Nolan. Okay. Yeah, because they were and they were pretty busy because they were feeding all. Of the like the windmill guys that are putting oh, windmills, yeah, yeah, because they're like smack dab in the middle. Where the windmill guys stay? Probably Sweetwater, at uh, Landon's house. At Landon's house. I think they set up like little they mobile homes day around. Oh yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah, but I also will say, like at the height of the windmills, there was not a hotel room in Sweetwater available. Popping town. Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, uh, speaking of the windmills, what did you guys think about the windmills? That's what I was about to go into. They're a lot... I, I knew they were big, but they're a lot bigger than what I even would have realized. Because you see the blades driving up and down, not the blades themselves, but on the back of trucks. Going, yeah, they're longer than 18-wheelers. Yeah. And uh, just to stand like at the base and look up is kind of crazy. Yeah. Just uh, how tall they actually are. Like, it's... Yeah, it's eye-opening to see how big they are. And it was it was weird to me that they were all almost like in sync too, of their blade spinning. Um, and we did kind of determine that it's about ten revolutions a minute because I think I counted. It takes six seconds for a full, a full revolution. revolution. I just I told you guys I thought they were three hundred feet tall. Um, I just looked; they're two eighty, but that is That's not including the blade. Oh, so just the pole is two hundred eighty. Correct. Then what's and the, then that blade, the blade probably spans another... Probably another 100 feet? 80 feet, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So that's 400 feet up there. That's cool. Yeah. And I would say another thing, just the noise that comes off of them, it sounds like a jet's flying over constantly. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's that. So going to school in Lubbock, I see the, the windmills all the time. But the noise, 
is something that I did not know. Mm-hmm. And that threw me off several times of the weekend was just the constant, like like you said, as it sounds like a jet is mm-hmm. flying over all the time. You get used to it. I mean, it's just normal. Well, at what, the house, it's not bad. But, like, when you are, you know. Like, hunting under them? Yeah, 50 to 100 feet away, it's it's loud. I think I was on Cliff um, one year. I did, did a lot of hunting. One of the doors was broken on, like, the upper part of the windmill where they actually, like, climb on top. Uh-huh. And it, the wind was banging it. So, it go, bang. Bang, bang, and it was super loud and annoying. Real, I bet. Yeah, a metal door like banging against the windmill constantly. Yeah, I bet. Um, they were they were neat. I will, I will say yeah, that. Yeah, there's a lot out there. Yes, mm-hmm. everywhere you look. Yeah, like, every as far direction. As I can see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, is that it? I was talking to your dad, and he said that they extended almost 50 miles with some breaks in between them, but almost 55 or 50 miles of just pure wind farm going up. Yeah, you'll see them for 25, 30 minutes when you're driving through them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's probably like north to south, I would imagine, but east, east to west, west it's much more. further. Yeah. Um, much further. There's one other thing I was going to ask you guys. Um, I can't remember what it was. Um, we did play with a bug assault though. Oh yeah, that was fun. We got. We, I feel oh, like we need. Yeah, Ian, they were great. Yeah, me and Zach shot each other with it. We did. It we did fun ranch activities. Played with the bug assault, but we we did help fall a tree. We did cut a tree down. That was fun. We saw the chainsaw. Uh, his dad cut it with a chainsaw, but the three of us pulled wrapped, it. Yeah, so we used a toe strap from my truck, and then an extra toe yep. strap that his dad had, and wrapped it around it and pulled while his dad cut it, so that it wouldn't fall on the hunting cabin. Yeah, that was cool. I felt like a man. Yeah. Oh, the cabin, the Hilton. Nice to do manual labor. What y'all it think was, of the Hilton? It is, Ian. What well, say? it is because so many, like I said, it's nice to do manual labor because so many jobs nowadays that pay really well are, you know. Not that. Uh, um, Cliff are not were, that, yeah. Cliff and I were talking about the cabin. It surprised us that there was no floor, that it was a dirt floor. Yeah. Mm. Like with how many snakes you guys have out there, that surprised me the most, mm. I think. I would have figured there would have been like just at least wood slats or like a concrete right. floor. If you guys want to do some work. Yeah, no, no, that kind of works. <laughs> no, I'd do it. I think it sounds fun. And then you can actually, like, do it up. That's true. I mean, there's bunk bed, like, skeletons in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just put some... it has a ton of potential. Yeah. I think at be... one time... It was cool. It was rolling. Yeah. But you got to think it hasn't been used in probably a decade. I think if we went yeah. out there, like, a week or so, and the three of us just hit it hard, we could get it set back up and rolling and running again so that we're not taking up his dad's place my dad liked having us around though so it, it was a nice like he did smoke a brisket for us so it was it, it, was, good. it was it was it was really nice coming back to like an actual house having like a good bed to sleep in mm-hmm. a shower right there <laughs> good. you slept in a good bed i was comfortable in it. Yeah, yeah that day bed is pretty cool um, the worst part is the worst part of it was though like 
when I was sitting on it to take my boots off or I was going through my pack or something, <laughs> the slats on the bottom kept falling out. Yeah. And I was like so like paranoid that I was going to break the bed already. Mm-hmm. And they kept on falling out. And I'm like, what the hell the heck am I doing wrong yeah. here? Like, <laughs> Yeah. That, yeah, I thought Cliff was going to break it a couple times. Yeah. It's, is it old? I think it's my great-grandmother's. Uh, I would not doubt that that bed is anything went younger to, than her. Like older 80? than 100. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was hers when she went to boarding school in high school, like high school boarding Your school. Your great-grandmother? Yeah. 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 That bed has to be at least 100 years old. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the dining room table is my great-grandfather's dining room table. The one where we kept all the bows and everything? Yeah. The yeah. one that we scratched to heck and back? Did we? Yeah. No. I'm, yeah I'm it was already... It, it's not like a new table, so I don't think... It's not the first time that table's been scratched. Yeah, but now if you scratch, you know, Cliff was here, it might be a different story. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> um, Cliff Hart Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Um, uh, what else? Uh, some of the guns your dad, like, brought out for us to look at were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. They were... Oh, the uh, the Walther too. Yeah, the yeah. old Walther's were really That's cool. cool. The brisket was good. Brisket was, dude. Yeah, his beans too. I'm like, I want that recipe. That those great. beans, yeah, were those bomb. beans were the bomb. potatoes were bomb. But the breakfast casserole was great too. Yeah. I, I took a picture all. of it so I could remake it because he he put the recipes all on the fridge. I don't know if you noticed that. I did. Yeah, but this I took a picture of that. I didn't get the one of the beans. I meant to. Mm-hmm. I know. The key of the beans, you got to soak them. That's but what he, he said. kept saying that. Yeah, you gotta soak them. Gotta soak them. And then he put a whole onion in there and a whole jalapeno. Mm-hmm. But they did. By the time I got home, I was running. You're feeling the beans. I was feeling it. I, I mean, I was gassy like the whole ride home. I think that was. I think that was the slim jim. You remember, oh, my dad said, "I yeah, those yeah. aren't that's <laughs> that's a meat stick that's gonna make you stop in Junction." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't had slim jim in years. Oh. Too. Okay, I have a story for y'all okay, what? of an incident that what's going down in Junction when I drove through. Because I was a little bit behind you. Because yeah. I went to visit family, but none of my family was home. So I was only like 20 minutes behind y'all. <laughs> Actually, I went to like my grandparents. They weren't home. And then I called them, and they were with my great aunt. And they were like in Abilene, so they were like 50 miles away. So like that was a wash. Then I went to my aunt and uncle's house. And they weren't there for whatever reason. They so, were dabbling. They were dabbling. And then uh, I went, uh, Larry Dove, who had stopped by. Uh, you went and saw him? I, they were out in their yard, so I stopped and chatted with them for a bit. Um, but uh, anyway, I was coming back to Junction. I stopped at the Shell Station, the busiest gas station in Junction. If you guys have ever been through. Well, that's because their gas was at least 10 cents cheaper than the one across the street from it. Yeah. Well, it's kind of weird that like the work, like the busy... Like, if I was at other station that didn't have a McDonald's or anything attached to me, I think I'd have the pricing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, like, the last place to get gas, too, in, like, every direction for a while. So, yeah, everyone stops there. Yeah, I think it's $1.92 there, yeah. and yeah. it's, like, $1.85 at the Shell. Yeah. Okay. So, I stopped at the gas station, and it was super crowded. Yep. Per usual. Yep. And I kind of, like, rolled in and, like, pulled behind the guy. And, like, I just so happened to look out that he was, like, getting in his car and pulling out as I pulled up. So, I, like, I pulled right in. So, I get out and pump my gas. To the left of me, there is a van with a trailer, like a Mercedes van okay. type deal. Yeah, like a Sprinter. Yeah, with a trailer. 
Behind them is a white Dodge pickup truck. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting out pumping gas, and um, it was a husband and wife. They were in the van. The wife comes out first. Um, they are both inside. She comes out before the husband, and this guy in the pickup behind them rolls up and just starts cussing her out. What? Yeah. Starts yelling. He's like, this isn't a – and I'm – Saying the clean version okay. of what he was saying because of our no bad language rule, um, but he was like, "Why? This isn't a explicit parking spot. If you're not pumping gas, you need to pull out. I've been waiting here. This isn't a parking spot. You need to move." Okay, so this and this lady was like, "We have a trailer. There's nowhere else to park. You know, we bought gas." She's just like, she's like freaking out because this guy, and I was like staying there. I didn't know what to do. He wasn't really, he was being rude, but. No, like threatening rude, but not, just like rude. But just like extremely rude and saying cuss words. But you didn't think he was going to do anything weird. Correct. Not um, that you would have had to intervene or something like that to, for protection. Yeah. It, the thing is, like, I say it like it happened really slow, but the order all of these events happened really quickly in the grand scheme of things. So he's like coming out of his truck and like yelling at her. And she's like, there's not a parking spot. It's super busy. We bought gas. We bought stuff inside. We have every right to be here. And then the husband is rolling up and sees this dude yelling at his wife. And he is a dude I would not want to get in a fight with in a thousand years. (laughs) This dude was jacked. And, uh, just he rolled in. Was he like, was he like tatted up with like a? Uh, he, I don't like think a, he was tatted up, but this dude is built to fight. Let's just say that. And um, he looked like he did some time. No, didn't look like he did some time, but looks like he does like works out in the gym a lot. Just like uh, okay, yoked, yeah. not like he's yoked as heck. Yes, yeah. and um, he comes out and sees his wife getting yelled at and he runs over and is basically like why and again very vulgar language why are you yelling at my wife if you have a problem we will settle this man to man you do never talk you never talk to a woman like that good for him yeah you never talk to a woman like that you never curse at a woman again and he's like if you do not step away right now, I will beat your head into the pavement. That is, is what, that he, what said he said word for that's what he said word for word. I will beat your head in the pavement. Meantime, Whoa. I pulled out the popcorn and was like <laughs> pumping gas at the same time. I was like, I don't know what to do. And that other guy like kind of mouthed off and then drove off. Wa- the, walked away. The thing is, I think people are getting like way more like self Indulged, I guess, would be the word. Yeah, like, people have always uh, been like that. Yeah, but a, like, like the guy who I, I spraying the windshield and oh, yeah, getting mad up. at me yeah. it, for for doing that, or this dude. How does he know that they weren't going in to pay for the gas? Because that's still an option, and people still do that because there are scammers on yeah the the gas station. I think people have always been entitled. I think that. It's just easier to see now. But I think that, like, because, like, I remember being a kid and having some dude on a motorcycle hop off his motorcycle, run over my dad's car. 
So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but um, mark that one. <laughs> yeah, it just. I think. I think no. I think courtesy has gone out the window. I do yeah. think that. Uh, I think that everyone has had the potential in the past, even to be um, like self-involved like that. But I think the courtesy that people would have like in the past been like, you know what, I'm moving on, or it doesn't really matter. Like now, people want to show their hind end and try and play big bad. Wolf. Maybe I don't and know. I was, this is a bigger conversation than yeah, we have time for. But. I was thinking about on the way back to, and this will be my last comment before we close, is that um, I don't even like. I can kind of see why he's mad, but I don't even think that. Um, well, in the grand scheme, of I don't things, think, it doesn't matter that they parked there. No, it doesn't. They bought gas. They had a right to park there. That's what I think. They were inside purchasing things. Yeah, it was busy. And what may have made him more mad is that I kind of pulled right up because I got lucky. And he may have been probably sitting there for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. um, at least realistically. Yeah. And it was one of those things where he didn't want to move because he was going to lose his spot. And there was so much traffic there. So my me driving up and getting a spot right away probably didn't help because um, it happened right after I pulled up. But it's just like they weren't in there. It's just like just be you weren't there first, right? right? If you were there four minutes earlier, whatever the timeline would have been, you would have had that pump before them. And who knows if they waited for that pump before you got there and they had to wait there 10 minutes so right. but the the idea of it is you go you pump gas you go in to get whatever provisions you need you come back out into to your vehicle and drive off like you're reserved that spot mm-hmm. just by going yeah. there now if you're now, not getting gas and you, you pull up to, to a pump yeah that is well cool guys no, I think, like, if you're going in there, like, oh, I just want a Red Bull, then you need to park in, like, those front parking spots to leave gas yeah. Yeah, open. Okay. But I, I think agree, if guys. You- I, think is, <laughs> I think this is great. I think we've, we've solved we where solved to park the, for the for gas. gas situation. But I think if you get gas and then decide you want a Red Bull, I think you're perfectly okay to stay there. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Cool. Ian, Ian's words yeah. of wisdom. Um, okay, hold on. Give me a second. Wait, you had an hour and a half. Um, that's true. Uh, a journey of a thousand miles. Uh, it's, a thousand it's really miles. bad if you're not wearing good boots. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I like it. So Thanks, Ian. A journey, we'll do this. A journey of a thousand miles is a lot worse if you buy cheap food. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that is very wise. I like that, man. All right. And on All right, that guys, note, we'll see y'all next week. Goodbye. <laughs>